Humanity, it seems, has lived on this planet long enough. At first, when we called them angels, we meant it. Their flawless crystalline forms caught the sunlight in dazzling colors, and their radiance set our hearts at ease. These otherworldly creatures didn't come from any planet we could identify, but we knew the second we set eyes on them that they came from somewhere beyond us. Then the slaughter began. Soon we spat the word angel with a thick, poisonous irony, heavy with grief and terror. Their attacks didn't seem random. In the middle of our largest and proudest cities, they showed their blades and showered the land in their poison. They flashed into existence like exquisite kaleidoscopes, and everyone they touched died. Earth creatures, ourselves included, crumple at their touch, dead in instants. Where angels have gone, nothing will live. The air shimmers like an oil slick in all the colors of the rainbow, and the very grass withers. There's a lingering sound, faint but detectable by sensors, like the ringing of a struck wine glass. Now we call them angels literally. We know what they are. They have come from heaven to massacre us. We will not let them. Thirty percent in rising. Seventy percent in rising. Civilians are all cleared. We're making a retreat. We're not sticking around for this. All civilians are cleared. We're still not showing any civilians on our scanners. The scanners didn't find civilians inside this building. We don't know where else they can be. Yeah, what was that big boom just now? Like, clearly something else is up. Forget the scanners. There are people out here. Young, good enough. We retreat. <laughs> We're not aiming for good enough. That's an order. The sun rises over Solomon City, reflecting off the surface of Lake Michigan and the city's artificial surface in equal measure. The temperature is 27 degrees, the forecast calls for sunshine with an 85% chance of giving way to heavy rain later in the day. The base is alive. The base never sleeps. But the rest of the city is just coming to terms with the beginning of another day. The day's events can't be forecast like the weather, but everyone in it is trying to think about their chances of success, of love, of happiness, of survival on yet another day. The day that would later be referred to as the Kingston Incident. In a deep, mostly forgotten corner of the Hell headquarters located within Solomon City is a small, seldom used briefing room. Old. Most of the furniture a holdover from one of their previous headquarters relocated when Solomon City was built. And there are three people sitting inside it. The lights flickering slightly. The electrician hasn't been out here in some time to check the wires. Flannery Linlin and Balthazar are sitting in this briefing room awaiting someone they've been told will be their new commanding officer as they are transferred to work in the field. They don't know anything about this individual beyond the fact that they are a lieutenant and their name is Mia. Well, Lieutenant Tally, to be more accurate. They sit alone in this briefing room 
unattended by any other staff or officers. And the telltale signs of Mia's approach can be heard coming down the hall from beyond the closed door. Heavy boots against the tile floors in this section of the building. Dressed in an officer's uniform, hat, firmly clipped in place, hair tucked up underneath it. Mia, a woman just about six foot in height with relatively pale skin and dark black hair hidden beneath the cap, enters. Hello, um, all of you. Sorry to keep you waiting. She walks to a desk in the front of the room and sets down a stack of papers and folders. I already know your names and I've read your staff records, but do me the courtesy of introductions. My name is Lieutenant Mia Talley and I will be your commanding officer from this day forward. Uh, appointed directly by the commander themselves. So I'll do my best if you do yours. Um, if we could start from the left here, you, um, young lady, could you tell me who you are and your hymnal type? Flannery is a quite short 18-year-old girl. She's got a bit of a stout frame, but she's well Built, not necessarily in a muscular way, but in a general athletic sort of way. She has long, wild red hair that's uncharacteristic of someone in the military, and that's only because she has not been in the military for very long. But she's here for what she feels is a pretty good reason. She was enticed by promises of what hell could do for her and her future, and Moreover, what she could do for her fellow people. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, my name is Flannery Fontaine. Uh, my, my hymnal is Sunrise Vixen, Messer Type, Class 4A. Ma'am, I like to get in the fray, so I think I'd be pretty darn good on the front lines, and that's sort of what I've been training for. Um, my hymnal is, is, it's got some flame abilities, so I could probably be pretty useful for burning any of the angel types that uh, can be burned. Um, <laughs> I guess that's obvious with fire. Yeah, okay. Uh, and now she's getting <laughs> nervous again. <laughs> and uh, you here in the middle. Balthazar is a small bean, uh, somewhere probably like 5'4". They are dark skinned. They have their like hair tied up in like uh, lavender locks. They have a small, like, circular framed glasses. And they also dress very uh, reserved in a way where I'm imagining that they're wearing, like, just like a white T-shirt and, like, tight-fitting blue jeans and just, like, a pair of white sneakers. Their posture is trying to make them as, like, compact as possible. And they... Uh, have been just kind of like staring at their desk, like knee bouncing. And upon being called on, looks up, not quite looking Mia in the eye and go, Balthazar, Baker, um, hymnal almost blue, uh, 9B. Where do you see yourself in the field? 
as far as where you feel most comfortable, the use of your hymnal, where do you feel you're best suited? And they're like me starts bouncing again. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. And finally, you at the very end. Leland looks like somebody who would be the perfect awkward middle child between the previous two. She is also the awkward middle height between both of them, still being quite short at 5'1". Her hair is swept to the side, but it's naturally pretty messy, so it's just an effort to stop the inevitable. She wears a colorful hoodie that is bright yellow with some white stars, and you can see that the rest of her skinny jeans and her shoes are Frankensteined with patches and stitch work just to try to keep everything together. It looks like she's normally pretty naturally tanned as a South Chinese girl, but you can tell that from her time inside and the unfamiliar white clouds that block the sun as of late have bleached her skin slightly paler than she would normally be when before she moved here. Um, Lin Lin Yang, my hymnal is Dolce Diver, type Zistan. I, I also believe that I belong on the front lines, on the field. I, I'm a natural at a lot of that, I've been told, and I think I can do it, and I want to do it. Thank you, Miss Young. So the plan is we are going to be doing a mock field exercise today, provided the weather stays as nice as it is. I appreciate your answers. And she does pass a glance over Balthazar when saying that. The information you've given me today and any more I ascertain in the field will be put to use to not only make sure that you can do your best to save the lives of others, but also to ensure that you yourselves remain alive. I will say this only once to all of you. Should you ever feel that events are far too dire and that we have no chance, and that you fear for your lives over your concern for the lives of those around you, you will leave. And at this point, I think the phone rings. <laughs> Shit. Um, Mia reaches behind the desk and picks up the phone. It is Callista from the support staff. The only thing that Callista has to say very quickly, twice as fast as she normally speaks, We've lost contact with Astaroth team. You're all to report to the bridge. All right, field exercise is canceled. We're all reporting to the bridge immediately. Grab your things. Flannery blinks in surprise and is like, wait, hold on. You, you mean we're actually going out there, f- like, for real? Like, right now? Right now. Move, all of you. D- uh, okay, Um, and she looks like she's a mix of, like, nervous, but also kind of a little excited as she gets moving. All right. And Mia sees herself out as quickly as possible, grabbing the papers and documents and everything in her hand and just, like, storming out. And I believe the next we see our heroes, they are huddled together in the back of a helicopter on its way over the state of Michigan, over the Great Lakes. It's a longer journey, I think, than you've made by helicopter in the past. But that's not really what's weighing on any of you right now, I don't imagine. There have been a series of angel attacks in nearby Kingston, Ontario. 
Hell has been temporarily granted permission to act internationally to make up for the delay in sending the CAF down from Ottawa. Marcosius team, that is to say all of you, are to defend the abandoned Kingston Penitentiary, where Astaroth team was last seen. None of them can be contacted. Paimon team has been sent to the residential district where they've been beset on all sides. Paimon team is, as usual, streaming and the bridge is carefully watching their feed, knowing that at any moment, a propaganda outreach will be taken away from them and turned into something much more grim. Gamigan team has been sent downtown and so far has reported a near total rout of the angels that had been besetting the downtown region of the relatively small city. And here's the view from the helicopter. What you see is a walled-in compound, several cross-shaped buildings, enormous ones, but you're looking at them from the sky, so they look like everything looks like from the sky, like toys. The fence is enormous, made of concrete, topped with stern watchtowers from the days when this was an active jail. It is no longer. The fence is overgrown. What were stately gardens out front, meant to disguise the grim nature of what happened inside, are now nearly forest. And Ivy has reclaimed all but a few of the buildings in the compound. Your support staff have notified you that the angels have been detected near the northmost door. And as you land, you cannot help but wonder what they're doing there. Or maybe you can't help but wonder what you're doing here. Again, I am not in charge of what you wonder. When you first arrive, the air is thick and dense and shining in every color of the rainbow. You had been warned about this. Condemnation at 20%, you've been told, before you set in. There are also a pair of enormous pearlescent amorphous creatures just kind of slamming their shapeless soft bodies against the side of the penitentiary. They're multiple stories tall, almost as large as the building itself. And if they had a face or an expression, they would seem dead set on taking it down. Baker, Young, though we've been told no one is present, as far as civilians, if there are any hangers on, your priority is to get them out, period. Fontaine, stay relatively close to me. Gotcha. Other than that, act as you see fit. Don't get yourselves into any danger that is unnecessary. And if you feel that you can't handle yourselves, leave and put as much of me between them and you as you can. Balthazar nods. No one dies. No one dies. Mia wants to be as close as possible. All right. So let's move Mia just right up next to one of these Eighth Chorus Angels. They are way, way larger. I have a question. 
mm-hmm. in order to just jump out of a helicopter, you're going to need to activate your hymnals on the way down. Okay. Which song does Mia sing? Well, I'm going to be honest. I think Mia doesn't want to fuck around. So Mia is going to sing her violent song. All right. And just for a moment before combat starts in earnest, I'm going to ask you a question that the manual has underneath the violent song, which is to say, who or what are you really out to destroy? Or you can answer the second question, will you ever get the chance? What does Mia want to destroy? Well, strictly for her interiority, um, herself. Cool. Uh, And no, she will not. So my next question is, Flannery, are you doing what you're told and sticking close to the boss? I think in this case she is because she wants to make a good showing on her first outing. And moreover, she believes what the boss is saying. Like she wants to make sure nobody gets hurt. At least if not the boss that's sending them out there to give them orders and keep them safe. So yeah, I think she'll land pretty close. Okay. So there is, at the north side of the building, there are two Eighth Chorus Angels. One on the east side and one on the west side. I've placed Mia by the one on the east side. The one on the west side is currently unbothered. Got a fork in the road. We have some overgrown trees. We have a massive gate that is clearly equal parts for show and for the stern utility of a prison gate. Where am I putting Balthazar? Um, I feel like Balthazar wants to be as far away from it as possible. Um, On the gate? On the wall? Uh, yeah, maybe. On the prison? Um, no, that's too close. You see, they're right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking that, I guess listening to Mia is, I'm probably more f- looking for other people to save as an excuse to not be near them. So I, I'm, I'm going to probably go by the gate because it looks like there's like an interior portion of that where people could be. Yes. So, yeah, I'll land right there by the gate. Great. And finally, Lilin. I think she's going to be right between and right behind both Flannery and Mia because I think she is super worried about those two and doesn't also want to be alone. Okay. And with that, I do believe it's time to start our first combat. Woo. Balthazar. Yeah. As you have descended from the helicopter, as you were on your way here, there was a constant feed in your ear. Commands, status updates, everything the bridge can think of to send you. You're in constant communication. And those voices grow dim as you approach the gate. Mm, I hate that. Uh, (laughs) I hate all of that. (laughs) Am I still in communication with my three partners here? Yes. You still have comms to them, but you notice that they start breaking up if you go, like, inside the gate. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> I think Balthazar might, like, over comms just go, uh, is, is anybody else breaking up? I, uh, I'm having a hard time hearing everyone. 
Sorry, what was that? I think you might be breaking up a little bit there. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, uh, yeah I think you're... Mostly. Oh. Yeah, there you are. I can't hear you. You're breaking, you're breaking up. Is this supposed you, to? Is this normal? So is this be happening? I think Mia, just like in the midst of landing in front of the angel, is just like Baker. Keep a cool head. Remain where I can see you. Okay, I I got part of that. I'm by the gate. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna look for people inside. Uh, can she even see you in there? Yeah, I'm gonna try to get some people out. All right. Would you like to make me an evacuation roll, please? I would like to actually get a harmony roll from Baker. Okie dokie. A harmony roll. Um, trying to remember. So my harmony being four means I roll 46, correct? That is correct. I forgot that you were playing the unit with the huge stat. <laughs> Excellent scanners on almost blue. Oof. <laughs> uh, that's a three, three, a two, and a two. Oh. Oof, yeah. Success with consequences. Okay. Inside the gate, you see people huddled together. You hear them first. You hear a person shouting. And as you get closer, you see that they're clutching a handheld radio and shouting into it. It is returning nothing but static. Most of the people you see in front of you are dressed in plain clothes. A few of them are wearing lab coats. And there is a figure lying on the ground. Someone very young. The people are gathered around bent over. Someone's clearly attempting resuscitation, but it's hard to tell who it is. I, oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a, a maybe dead child in here. Um, I honestly think Balthus is having a panic attack. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm imagining like getting to like either the window of the doors of this opening it up like into the room of this and like quickly scanning around like a little bit panicked and then like seeing that and just as full on starts hyperventilating and like stumbles out and like just goes onto the comms there are people in in the in the gate I think there's a kid on the ground I don't know what's going on and you, you hear Callista from the support staff. And you know Callista. She bakes. And you hear, where have you been? Where, we lost you on the scanners. Uh, I'm, by the, I'm by the prison gate. There, there are people okay. here. They're trying, okay. You're okay? They're, 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 you're okay? They're, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Uh, okay. There's um, people in the gate trying to... Uh, contact people, but uh, it seems no, uh, the radio isn't working. Um, Our scanners didn't detect any civilians. There's about uh, about a dozen of them. Uh, there's a need of um, medical assistance. There, uh, okay. Someone's out cold. Looks like a kid. We're on it. Orders from the commander. Hold the gate. Is there anything else you would like to do with your turn aside from the evacuation roll? I don't think so. 
because everything is very far away from me. Okay. Does anyone else have anything in mind? I am going to do violence. Mm-hmm. I am also going to look over my shoulder to Lin Lin and just give a cursory shout. Young, support Baker. I, I can do that. And then I'm going to turn to the angel and I am going to use one of my abilities. Um, I'm going to use batter. Yeah. This might be a good time to tell everybody what Turnstile, a.k.a. Oni, looks like. So, Oni is a mostly charcoal-colored hymnal made out of, like, these pretty nasty segmented pieces of armor that are broken up by these panel lines of, like, bright iridescent pink and a face that's like a traditional, like, Oni mask almost— but the horns are made entirely out of just like pure glowing pink energy. And she is equipped with a massive angry looking Kanabo that is also exuding this like pink iridescent energy. And what is that Kanabo doing right now? Violence. Wonderful. So Mia withdraws the long like metal rod attached to the back of her hymnal. And as she swings it, out in front of her and the business end clacks against the stone pavement. She twists the handle and it revs like a motorcycle as iridescent pink spikes just erupt from every flat surface uh, all over the giant club. I am going to batter, which with my violent song is actually going to do forearm. So I need to do dice. No, um, you do not need to roll to do an ability. You just spend the gain and it happens? That's right. And four is enough to absolutely just like punch through an eighth chorus angel and cause it to destabilize and just melt into the ground. This thing is like two stories tall. It is a huge pearly pudding and it gives way to this massive blow and just dissolves. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. I leave a giant, just a giant fuck off crater with the swing of the club. Yeah. Do you want to do any movement or do you want to do any like evac rolls or any other rolls on your turn? Remind me, Kat, for the sake of myself and for good radio, what kinds of rolls would those be? Obviously evacuation. I know that much, but. Well, you can roll to make an attack if you like. You can roll to pretty much anything that would take up a turn that isn't a power, I'll figure out a facet and ask you to roll it. Sikaruni, I think I am going to take this opportunity to now back up and try to grab Flannery by the arm and push back into Linlin and withdraw to the fork in the path so I can just get all of us like right there just by like, pushing us backward just a little bit so that we're away from that previous encounter and have line of sight on the other one. Okay. Linlin and Flannery, are you allowing yourself to be ushered back to the middle of this arena? Yes, but Linlin's going to go a bit further. There was originally some hesitation after she was given the command to go check on Baltazar, but then after seeing the angel just explode near instantly... That's given her confidence and more faith that these two would be able to cover it. And she's going to make her way over to the building. Okay. 
And I think similarly, Flannery up to now had been, again, nervous about this encounter. And up to the point where Mia attacked the angel, she had been frozen to the spot. This is far more real than any danger room simulation she's been put through so far. And the size of this thing is incredibly intimidating. But watching it go down to that just one massive hit reminds her that a lot of angels are a lot more vulnerable to their hymnal units than they look. And I think initially she's getting pulled along by Mia. She's actually going to keep that momentum going and run past Mia towards the next angel, running more and more confidently and even doing like a front handspring towards it as she gets this excited grin on her face. Yeah. So I suppose now it sounds like you have a definite idea of what you want to do with your turn. I think I do at this point, yes. Can you just tell us what Sunrise Vixen looks like, would you please? Yes. Sunrise Vixen is sort of more like a power armor than a mech. It has an open front face and very lightweight armor pieces all in bright reds and oranges. It has these kind of swept back horn pieces up on the top helmet that look like flames and a lot of dragon scale type shapes to the armor around her body. And her weapon, it looks at first like just a unimpressive short sword, like a Viking short sword. But as she approaches this angel and comes out of the handspring, she raises the sword up and it breaks into segments along a flexible metal core and she swings it out and it becomes a whip sword that she swings around her like a gymnast's ribbon and it catches on fire as she does so. And she looks at this angel and says, all right, let's rev it up. And she starts singing and goes for one of her powers next as well. Please do. Also, remember, everybody, you do not have to wait till your turn to use powers. Oh, yeah. No, this so, just works out. the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. Please don't wait to be called on to do uh, wild things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this works with the flow of the scene so far. Okay. So she starts spinning the whip sword around her like a big flaming tornado, and the flame kicks up higher and higher until she lashes out at the angel with one of her signature moves that she's been practicing in the simulations, Hellraiser, which will deal one harm to a close target and reduce condemnation on the battlefield by 10%. Also, she is currently singing a proud song, which will allow me to spend one extra gain to deal one additional harm. All right. You hear the soft voice of your support staff member, Ada, over the comms. Condemnation 10% and falling. As the flames gather higher, they start to catch on this iridescent light in the air as if literally burning the ethereal gases around her away as she slices into this angel body. All right, the angel hates it. It's a big pearly blob and it doesn't seem to have any real expressions, but there is a gash in its amorphous form now that still kind of trails sparks as it moves. 
Would you like to do anything else with your turn? Would you like to make a basic attack or uh, uh, make any vac roll? Are there any civilians in this area? Like directly around? Not that you can see. In that case, I'll probably just finish it up with a basic, like the attack is finishing up and she gets one last lash in for a regular attack. That sounds to me like a tempo roll. Yeah. It's a lot of fancy footwork going into this. Yeah. Okay. That is a one and a four. All right. A four is a success with consequences. You deepen the gash in this creature with your uh, ribbon of searing flame and violence. And it is massive. It is two stories tall. Has no right being this size. And I think what I want to do is deal three harm to a close target. Oh, yep. That's a thing you can do. (laughs) It just leans over with one of its enormous pearlescent pseudopods and slams down on Flannery. I think in that moment, she feels like she's doing amazingly. And she is, all things considered. But in the, the aftermath of the attack, she looks up and realizes the thing is not actually down yet. And as this big pearlescent limb comes down on her, she just looks up wide-eyed as it slams down on her. That will take her down to one health. Listener, if it had been anyone else, they would have been done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. It's worth noting that Flannery is tough. (laughs) (laughs) That leaves us with Lin Lin. Right now, she is going through so much. She was given instruction, and then she rejected it, and then once she was impressed, she followed it. And then she, as soon as she's chasing after to check on Baltzor, there's an explosion just behind her as you can tell that somebody's gotten hit. <laughs> but right now, she's got a mission to do, and right now she's just trying to just bury everything that she wants to do out of the way and do what she needs to do, so she's going to take a peek inside the room. Okay. As you peek inside the room, you notice the same thing that Balthazar did. Your comms are cutting out. You hear people screaming into a staticky radio. The people have mostly cleared away from the form lying on the ground. There are about a dozen people here. Most of them don't look like soldiers. Hi, um, I'm with Hell. We're gonna get you out of here. Are you all safe? Or is anybody else injured? Everyone just kind of stops and looks at the figure on the ground and parts slightly. You see a hell uniform. She takes a deep breath and then a gulp and is going to check on the figure on the ground. Can I get a harmony roll from you, please? Yeah, I'm gonna roll with all one of my dice. That is a three. Your scanners detect signs of life. She is breathing. Shallowly, but breathing. And she's going to immediately shout to everybody around, like, she's alive, everybody, she's alive, she's breathing right now. And you recognize this person. This is the leader of Astaroth team, alias Morning Dove. Given name Olivia, I don't know if you were friendly enough to ever get it when you were around the base. She's your age. Taller, much taller. With brown skin and wavy brown hair. And... All of the silver light that 
made up the hymnal Morning Dove is gone. The pendant Olivia wears is lying in pieces on her chest. No, 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 no. Okay. You're going to be fine, okay? Olivia, can you hear me right now? Olivia, can you hear me right now? We're going to be all right, okay? There's a twitch. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, There's a twitch. And right now she is just trying to recount everything inside medical knowledge and first aid that she could think of. But right now she just doesn't know enough of what has happened, so she is just going to make sure that blood is going to be able to at least go to everything it needs to. She elevates feet, make sure that things are moving, make sure that she's breathing, and is just checking for any wounds that are around. It's worth noting that now that you're inside the gate area, your scanners just absolutely light up with just like civilians detected and the outlines of everybody. As if your scanners are just now realizing it for the first time. Come on, work. Work, damn it, work. Uh, okay. Anybody able to give me answers here? No, uh, and they seem stunned. Look, I need answers right now. Nobody will die today, okay? This includes her, this includes all of you. It's gonna be all right. I just, I just need to know if any of you are able to give me help. And a figure in a lab coat approaches and someone runs from somewhere else in the gate guard station, having brought a first aid kit. Whatever you can do, whatever you need to have happen, just tell me so I can let it happen. Most of what you hear from them is, is it over? It will be very soon. It's already halfway done. I've seen them just destroy it in a single second. You have the right people with you right now. And if there's nothing else you'd like to do on your turn, I believe that makes it my turn. It sure is. I don't like this part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why can't it just be our turn all the time? I, I wanna, We're in danger. I want to do more heroism. <laughs> okay, so if Lin looks out, and then we'll see what look like iridescent crystalline spiders crawling down from the roof of the gate building. One of them quite close to Balthazar, and four more of them climb down over the roof of the penitentiary proper near where Flannery has just taken her hit. These are second chorus angels, relatively well-known. They exist to destroy things, to tear down our buildings, ruin our roads. But perhaps more distressingly is the fact that the angel that struck Flannery, the enormous eighth chorus angel, flops backward weakened by the great gash across its body. And the gash deepens and deepens until the creature splits. Flannery finds herself standing between two enormous building-sized angels. And behind there is the clattering of the insectoid limbs of the second chorus. The second chorus angels by the gate immediately begin trying to tear the building down, sending out these beams of rainbow light from their, somewhere in their bodies. Angel anatomy is 
more geometric than biological. Just like eating away at concrete and stone and metal. The angel that has just descended behind Flannery flashes and a strange blue light surrounds one of the eighth chorus angels in a bubble, a bubble covered with arcane geometry. The angels surrounding the penitentiary also get to work on tearing the building down. They are completely ignoring Mia and Flannery and focusing on demolishing a building that should have been demolished decades ago. The brand new eighth chorus angel shudders all over its body and with a deep hissing noise adds 20% condemnation to the battlefield, (laughs) mechanically speaking. Well, at least it's not 40. You hear Ada, 30% and rising. The people inside the gate building gasp and huddle together as a wing of the gate building, not far from the door where Balthazar is standing, begins to collapse. The portion of the penitentiary that had taken damage from the angel attack already, the angel that Mia helpfully cratered, also collapses into rubble. So now my question is, how's everybody doing? Does anybody have any thoughts, any feelings, any concerns, any actions they would like to take? Oh, I've got a list. Some concerns. (laughs) (laughs) I trust our field commander, Mia, to make the right decision. I've got some shit I want to (laughs) do. Yeah. Well. Kat, I'm going to get up to some shit. Well, okay. All right, so hold on. Let Let me pitch you something here. Okay. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you always being open. Um, You're the best GM in the world. (laughs) Definitely not uh, buttering you up. Okay, so I've got a one, two, three on my mind. So one, I definitely want to move closer to Flannery. Two, on my way there, I want to use knock away and knock one of these second chorus angels into another one and try and just, just basically softball one into the other and knock them off the building. Give them a little bit of distance. Oh, that's definitely going to pop the one that you hit because you are singing a violent song. But I want to wa- knock one into the other, ideally. I want to get it to... Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one closest to it is knocked away from the building and scatters al- along the ground. Like, out of the corner of my eye, I point and I'm just like, later for you. I am going to then take like a firm stomp right next to Flannery and the mouth of the Oni's mask opens and just like a plume of smoke and steam starts to drift out of it and Mia hauls the giant club over her shoulder and I am going to use batter on the blue eighth chorus and hope that just doing as much damage as possible is going to be good enough based on whatever magic it's got going on. Well, your strike just kind of hits this barrier and the barrier glows blue and shatters. Shit. And your first strike is absorbed. Okay. I'm sad I wasted the good attack on that one. And then Mia's gonna like 
twist around and just do a, a regular attack on the one that was already damaged prior. All right. And just like a, just a whirl of like massive heavy swings and just like the sound of the air tearing from the club being swung through the air. That sounds to me very much like a volume roll. Would you give it to me, please? Absolutely. Well, that's a six and a three. A six is a success with no consequences. So the one that initially was damaged by Flannery, uh, you, you deal two damage on an attack, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're good. It dissolves not as dramatically or as catastrophically as the first one that you battered, but forcefully and definitively. It's also worth mentioning that, like, Mia is very specifically, like, trying to make herself as tasty a target as possible, like, almost on top of Flannery at this point. Just like, no, no, no. Hit me. Not her. Don't hit the baby. It's naughty to hit the baby. Be very rude. Please don't hit the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Baby's on the other side of the battlefield. (laughs) Yeah, don't, don't hit baby. I don't know if their heart could take it. Yeah, baby is baby. All right, and if that's Mia, does anybody else have anything that they would like to do? If I were to throw someone into someone else, would it damage them? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, and that the one that Mia hit earlier does not get up. Because I like it better that way. Okay. Yeah. They're extremely fragile. Hell yes. The second chorus. Then, if I may, I think Baby, who is (laughs) hunched over on, uh, like, over their knees, like, (laughs) trying not to vomit, just, like, from the anxiety, like, looks up, sees everything that's going on, and out of, like, reflexive fear is going to lasso this uh, one that's over to the right of me. And, uh, like, just, like, a quick, um, I guess I haven't described what Almost Blue looks like. And this is the time for that. Please tell us more about Almost Blue. (laughs) Part of me thinks it would be interesting if it almost looks like cloth. Like, if it's just a suit in a way that makes them look like they are going, like, they're, like, have like a gig but it's like there's like a mechanical look to it i don't know what that would look like maybe it's like a suit where the edges are gleaming almost like it's metal with like energy flowing through it yeah and like whatever like the core of this thing is being on like the knot of a tie and so for my hymnal since it's a garret a garret garret i don't know how you would say it garot yeah a garot let's go with that yeah I'm imagining it's like really thin sheets of cloth, whatever the material of the suit mm-hmm. is. And like, so uh, they just like flick their wrist out towards it and like cloth comes shooting out from the sleeve, wraps around it, and I'm going to just throw it into the one that's to the left of me. And they just jumble together into a pile of crystals and limbs and lie still like a heap of broken glass on the cement. 
Nice. And hey, Bathster. Yeah. The ground here is littered with broken glass. Like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And the windows are fine. Yeah. But that's just something you notice in this moment. Out of a lot of broken glass. Where'd all this glass come from? It's a snack for later. <laughs> <laughs> This is a clue that will help us. Is there an upstairs? Um. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to do with your turn? Any movement or any normal actions? Can I make an evacuation roll to, like, get people actually out of here? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to do that then. Uh, Having come to their senses, baby, radios in that they're going to try to start um, evacuating some of the people that are in this gate area. Uh, we'll run and see. It's Flannery, right? No, Flannery's over there. No, that's Lee Lane. Yeah. Uh, see her and we'll start escorting some of these people out, hopefully. All right. Sounds to me like coming to your senses, using your comms. That sounds like harmony. Uh, okay. Sounds good. Ooh, a six, four, three, two. Perfect. You managed to radio base, call in the evac. The helicopter that brought you here settles down on the lawn and you escort people safely into it. Awesome. The evac team hops out of the helicopter and enters the gate area with a stretcher. Okay. I think maybe being a little bit more concentrated at this point, I'm going to use my move to, uh, I guess, go... Baby still definitely doesn't want to go near the big one, so I was going to go to the second choir angel that's on the far side of the building. Yeah. And uh, Baby flicks out uh, some more of the cloth, and, like, as they throw it towards the angel, like, twists their arms in a way that the cloth, like, kind of comes at it, like, at an angle where it, like, catches it towards the end and, like, uses it as, like, a fulcrum to wrap back around it. And so it's, like, kind of double wrapped in, like, this X formation, and I'm using a razor net on it. Yeah. So if it moves or tries to do any things... It's going to have a bad time. If it attacks or attempts to attack or move, that is prevented and it will take harm. Yeah. It's not going to have a great time. So that leaves us with Lilin and Flannery. Oh, I have something in mind, if that's all right. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that it's taken a bit for Flannery to regain her focus because that was a pretty big hit and she's... Hurting quite a bit right now. (laughs) But I think she's actually a little surprised at, like, she's hurting a lot, don't get me wrong, but, like, it doesn't hurt as bad as she expected it to, given the size of the hit. And she is kind of marveling at the strength of the armor of her hymnal that has protected her from literally being a pancake in this moment. And she's watched Mia do her deadly deeds against the one that she attacked earlier. But they've still got this other new one nearby. And as she gets her composure back around her, she's wanting to do her part to support Mia, who has really just saved her in this moment. And I think what she's gonna do 
is she's gonna go for a very, again, kind of very direct approach, but a bit more of like also trying to get the angel away from Mia to give her more room to do whatever she needs to do. So she's going to use another one of the moves that she's developed called Rocket Blade. Mm -hmm. So she's going to use her attack to push it further away from Mia by basically just like putting all of the sections of her sword back together and then rocketing them out forward to push it away and then basically following after it by pulling herself along with the blade. And that deals two harm. And I will also spend two gain to do two additional harm. That absolutely melts it. I would love to see Flannery bursting through this two-story mass of pearl and malice and shapeless destruction. Yeah, I think even she wasn't expecting to go like that hard into it. Like her goal was to get it away from Mia, but she obliterates it. (laughs) She blasts through with her sword. Yeah, it comes out the other side as the angel just dissolves into nothing. And she does a cool Marvel three-point landing as she comes out the other side. Very cool. Very good. Is there anything else you would like to do? I guess uh, as she realizes that she's actually done this, she turns around in kind of disbelief and then goes like, ah, as she sees another chorus angel behind Mia and kind of like instinctively lashes out for another regular attack. Okay. That sounds like a tempo roll to me. (laughs) Sure. That is boxcars, baby. Boxcars! Lashes out instinctively like slapping at a housefly. Basically, yes. So she's going to give it a big old lash with her flaming sword there. And it collapses into just a pile of shards, still faintly smoldering. That was incredible! Oh my god! I did. I, I actually did it! I actually did it! Miss, Miss Mia, oh my god! Did you see that? That... I, don't, I can't believe I'm alive. I can't believe I did that. Oh, God. This is incredible. Leland, it is silent in the gate area. You can hear things, of course. I'm being hyperbolic. You can hear the helicopter land. You can hear Balthazar ushering people out to safety. But you can't hear your allies. You can't hear the comms. It's just static in your ear. And you're ushered out of the way by evacuation staff who lift Olivia up onto the stretcher and begin carrying her out toward the helicopter. And my first question for you is, uh, please describe Lynn's beautiful hymnal, please. Linlin's hymnal is Dolce Diver. It looks like an incomplete exoskeleton. Like there are very large mechanical boots that you would expect on a mecha unit. And same thing around the spine and the hands. But around the torso and head seems to be mostly uncovered other than additional earpiece and comm units. You can see that the main part though, the big feature, is her weapon. Which looks like a oversized or extra complicated and technological guandao polearm. It looks like somewhere between a spear and a very large scythe that is red and gold with black 
veins or channels across it, and little vents around everywhere in the spearhead that you can guess are probably supposed to emit something. And you can see that there are little nodes across those holes. They'd be very reminiscent of Bunsen burners. That's extremely good and cool. And what is Lin Lin doing? She's caught up in so much stuff right now. She saw Baby evacuate people and go from a state of panic and freezing to actually taking out the nearby enemies and helping evacuate people. And then she's also seen the support crew be able to evacuate these people. And she admittedly disobeyed part of the orders of not bringing anything essential. There's a small thing in her pocket that she slips into Olivia's pocket just before she's carried out, just as a good luck notice. And then right now she's just going to sit here thinking about how she's a bit alone right now, wondering if like everybody's able to do big things right now and she's just sitting here. And she's going to spend some time to just listen. And if there's nothing that she hears, then she's going to rush out to the front lines. You don't hear anything. You don't hear any directions. You don't hear anything over the comms, but static. Then she's going to run to the front. All right. And by that, all the way to the penitentiary away from the gate or just outside the gate? Just outside the gate. Okay. Just going to be on standby. She doesn't have any orders. She doesn't know what to do. And she's going to just trust that everybody can handle it over there. When you emerge, you see that there are no angels alive with the exception of one that is uh, currently ensnared by Balthazar. And as we make the transition into my turn, it leaps at him with tremendous force in its pointed, jagged, crystalline legs. And the bonds that are wrapped around it tear it to pieces in midair before it can make contact with almost blue. That is the last angel present at the Kingston Penitentiary right now. And you wait a moment and no more spawn. And you wait a moment and nothing else appears. In the third moment, if there were such a standardized unit of time, and I suppose there isn't, but forgive me, listener, for taking liberties, there is an explosion. If you were to guess, you'd place it in one of the southernmost buildings in the compound. If you had to guess. Whatever just exploded, it's hard to tell. The building is far away from you and this compound is massive. But when the dust clears, the ground stops shaking. You hear a panic, 70% and rising from the bridge. The evac staff get the last people into the helicopter as they frantically begin to don respirators, knowing that staying for one more minute could prove fatal to their precious cargo. The helicopter lifts off. No one dies, as Mia put it. And you all have a turn with no angels. Civilians are all cleared. We're making a retreat. We're not sticking around for this. All civilians are cleared? 
We're still not showing any civilians on our scanners. The scanners didn't find civilians inside this building. We don't know where else they can be. Yeah, what was that big boom just now? Like, clearly something else is up. Forget the scanners. There are people out here. Young, good enough. We retreat. We're not aiming for good enough. That's an order. We're slightly a second evac. Hold tight, everybody. And in a couple moments, another helicopter darkens the sky above you. Settles down at the crossroads in front of the penitentiary, near enough to ruffle Balthazar's hair. And your commanding officer ushers you all into the safety of the helicopter and the condemnation swirls on the air around it as it lifts off. Before deactivating your hymnals, can I get harmony rolls, please? That's a four for Mia. Okay. Uh, three is my highest. Um, a rare sight inside Lumen, I got a one. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Six. You all see the entire sky devoured by a bright white light. The world, for an instant, is completely swallowed. Most of your scanners go on the blink. Your displays are glitching. Your ears are ringing. Your comms are barely functioning. With the exception of Almost Blue. Its state-of-the-art scanners are absolutely top of the line compared to the other units on the team. You hear two things. You hear a frantic, cut the feed, cut the feed now. Paimon team, respond. Respond, Paimon team. And Balthazar, only Balthazar, sees a rainbow flash from the south side of the prison compound and a figure streak across the sky in the opposite direction of the helicopter. And slowly, all of your scanners return. All of your systems are functioning, but you're in the back of the helicopter, so you can let your metaphorical guard down. Let your hymnal unit dissolve back into the heretical light it is formed from, whatever it is formed from. I'm not sure the four of you are quite sure. But now the radios are frantic. And as communications slowly return, the helicopter flies back over the state of Michigan, back to the safety of Solomon City to deal with the fallout from the Kingston incident. Heaven stars Aaron Cerise as Flannery, Kendrick as Baby, Jordan as Lin Lin, and Dylan as Mia. I have been your choir master, Kat. We're playing Blazing Hymn, a game based on the Lumen engine by Spencer Campbell. Thanks to all our Kickstarter and Itch supporters for making Roar to Heaven possible. This episode was sponsored by Richard Kreutz Landry. Thanks so much for your support.
Well, first I would like to suggest if baby is baby, then Flannery is Flababy. Oh. <laughs> Flippy. <laughs> Not to get any good. more Pokemon connections to her name. But <laughs> I mean, gym, gym leader Flannery can get it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Look what you've done. There's worms in this can, Aaron. Oh, oh. We always go back to horny Pokemon talk. <laughs> All APs need them at some point.